You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Today. Oh man, a ton to get into today. So obviously we're piggybacking off of the news that broke on Friday that Michael Jordan is indeed moving forward with the sale of the Charlotte Hornets, or at least his majority stake with the Charlotte Hornets. So we're going to get into that. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, I thought you guys had some good insight, you know, on Twitter and just you know, some conversational things. We're going to get into that today. Also, want to check into, you know, how that's going to affect this offseason. Maybe why now? Right. What does that mean for the rest of the offseason? All of those things. But first, give me your guys' thoughts on MJ selling his majority stake. Um... Well, I think think this has been, you know, in the works for a long time. Uh, Gabe Plotkin, one of the new owners, has actually been one of the minority owners of the Hornets since 2019. And that's when Jordan started selling off his shares, you know, keeping over 50% so he could stay my uh, majority owner. And I think this is just the completion of that process. Um, I think Jordan was waiting to see if we were going to get that number one pick. And if we had gotten Victor Wimbiana, then I don't think we'd be having this conversation yeah. because it would have been foolish to sell the team at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the number two pick, um, I think from a media marketing standpoint, it doesn't really change much. It, no matter how good Scoot or Miller ends up being, it's not the same as drafting Victor. So I think that's why he's like, okay, we can go ahead and move forward with this. Um, Michael Jordan will still be the owner during the majority of this offseason as well. The the board has to approve the the sale. The NBA needs to approve it. That's not going to happen for the next few months. So Michael Jordan's still going to be there when we make this pick, y'all. He's still going to be there when we decide whether or not to re-sign Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington and Kelly Oubre. That's all still happening. But having said that, I don't think Jordan's going to be all that involved in those decisions. That's what Mitch Kupchak's there for. And I think one of the biggest failings of Michael Jordan as an owner, even though we might talk about this later, I think owners tend to get too much credit for how good or bad a team is. But it, Michael Jordan has to run everything, right? Because that's the kind of person he is. And everyone that he put in these positions were people that were like-minded, like Michael. And, and and not to cut you off, but people that he needed to trust, which yes. is, I think a lot of, I think, which is very understated. Exactly. And to, I think a lot of those guys were yes men, um, not because Jordan wanted them to be, but just because they were, I mean, it's Michael Jordan. You work for Michael Jordan. What you going to tell Michael yeah. Jordan? Nah, bro. Like, like at <laughs> right. the end of the day, it's Michael Jordan. It's like, Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan. That's, so, that's really all you got to say. I, and so I think I, he realized that. That's why he hired Mitch. He can trust Mitch, and he respects Mitch. Um, So I think Mitch was kind of like, all right, Mike, I'll do this, but I run the show. 
And Mike said, okay. And fans, we got to stop conflating the current Hornets with the previous, the Rich Cho Hornets. Yes, that was dark times. Michael K. Gilchrist, uh, Cody Zeller, Noah Vonley, Frank Kaminsky. Uh, a team which with truly no direction. None. Right. Now compare that to Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, LaMelo Ball, and whoever we draft second here. Huge difference. Huge difference. And I don't see why people can't see right. that. Michael Jordan was the owner during both of those tenures, right? So something changed. And I think it was Mitch Kupchak. So I said that to say this offseason, I don't think the ownership change is going to affect this offseason much because Mitch will still be running the show. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think Michael Jordan, this is a good time for him to get about the game. He's He's been a front office exec slash owner for two decades now. Um, 2311 is not doing too bad as a NASCAR team. And NASCAR has made a big global push to change their brand and image. This is a really good time to own a NASCAR team, actually. Four wins uh, or four wins over the last three seasons. He just signed Tyler Reddick, the, the Xfinity Series champion. I, I said this half jokingly in the Hornets Facebook group, but he's going to win a championship in NASCAR before the Hornets even get past the second round. <laughs> but I, you know, it's, I mean, I, wow. I think he'll come closer to that. I, I don't know if running a NASCAR team is uh, easier, but, but he does have Denny Hamlin as a minority owner. And I'm sure that helps. Whereas, uh, you know, in the NBA, he was running everything. So, um, I'll just say this to fans, especially fans that are happy about and selling tickets. Be careful what you wish for. Strong words. So, um, Joshua, first, I just want to say thank you for having my back on Twitter because I felt like I was fighting the anti MGI brigade and you were the only one who was like, hey, guys, like, <laughs> like, at least listen to the dude. <laughs> yeah, like, come but, on, guys. Like, I mean, these are some good things that need to be stated as well. Like, yeah. Right. It wasn't all bad with Michael Jordan, just like Kaiser said. Be careful what you wish for, and I think we'll get into that a little bit here yeah, yeah. in a moment. But yeah, continue, man. No, but here's my thoughts, and what I shared on Twitter was, um, I was actually disappointed. Michael, Michael was selling, and this is different perspective for me because I I'm coming from a, a a fan perspective. Obviously, I want to be clear. I wanted the Hornets to make a turnaround with Michael Jordan. Okay. And I felt like the timing of this was a little off because I feel like the Hornets are right there on the cusp of turning the corner. <clears throat> and on top of that, because of the way things went in the, in last off season with the miles bridges situation, with the Kenny Atkinson situation, with the litany of injuries we had last season. Right. I feel like, and I know if, 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 but if those things don't happen, I don't know if we're here today. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, no I, I don't know if, if if the hot takes are coming in as hot. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> if things would have just went a little better last year. You understand? So it's it's disappointing because I hope Michael's not coming from a place where he's giving up. Because my hero, Michael Jordan, has never given up on anything. You understand? especially anything basketball related. Now, he's getting $3 billion. Let's let's be clear, okay? Look, a $3 billion come up, <laughs> hey, y'all can have it. I'd sell the team too. 
I'm, if I'm a 60 year old man and I don't want the stress and the media attention and all the criticism that comes along with owning the Charlotte Hornets, maybe it's the easiest decision than I thought, but knowing how competitive MJ is, we look, anybody who follows Michael Jordan knows how competitive he is when it comes to basketball. And I just hope he didn't get to a point just like, you know what? I just had enough of losing. I've had, I've had enough of taking, of getting blamed when the sun doesn't come up, so to speak, let somebody else deal with it. You know what I mean? And again, I say all that to say, Hornets, I think, are right there, and I wanted them to do it with MJ because I wanted the redemption story. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you know what the narrative's going to be next season. We're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. Like, see, I told you all you had to do was sell the team. The Hornets, especially if they hit on this number two pick, you know, they're going to be good again. And then the narrative will be, like you said, well, Michael, we just sold the team. Now we're good. Go figure. And it's like, this is the team Mike built. <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm looking forward to. And I think you guys just encapsulated that really well. Like, we saw this team win 43 games. The previous and, year. Yeah. Maybe a worse roster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we technically, I mean, we should probably see an upgrade at the center position this season than what we've had over previous ones. I know right. Mason Plumley played well last year. He had a little stretch. But, but he's he not Mark Williams. More... But Mark Williams made a huge difference. Exactly. I mean, it, on the defensive end, like Plumley gave us some moments on a bad team with, you know, additional opportunities. He started right. dribbling between the legs. He started shooting his little jump and, shot. And the effort was there. You, you can never question Plumley's effort. Exactly. You know, yeah. But when it really comes to making a difference in wins and losses. Mark Williams manning the paint and giving you true rim protection, being able to switch onto smaller guards. I mean, we saw what he did to Trey Young in that game, switched onto him, blocked the shot for the win. I mean, you weren't getting that prior. So you have that. You have the number two overall pick coming in, likely. If the Hornets do trade the number two overall pick, you're going to get a good player back. If it's Brandon Ingram, I mean – or Zion, whatever the talk is around it. That's not what I personally want to do. But if it does come to fruition, you're going to see a better roster again. Miles Bridges is likely coming back. PJ should continue to get better, especially now that he's going to be able to move to that fourth offensive option, fifth offensive option. As long as the Hornets don't pay him $20 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the market is that for PJ. I think – they may tell him to go test the market, and his agent may say, "Okay, they called our bluff. Let's let's get this thirteen to fourteen million a year." Right. Yeah, I I think it'll be a slightly higher than that, but if he can fit in, and I mean that's that's his role on. I think sixteen is like that's as high as I would go. And yeah. For sixteen, you better. You better bring it. You got because Cody was make Cody Zeller's making fifteen, so you got to play better than Cody Zeller. <laughs> <laughs> I I think he can do that. Um, I don't know for like, but I mean for like more than like one game at a time. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I'd rather yeah, yeah. Have, Which is the knock on PJ because the consistency yes. is what you worry about with PJ. He'll he'll give yeah. you 27, 26, 28, and then, and then you'll two. have a stretch of zero, two, four, eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
But it's the Malik Monk syndrome. If all of those things, that's what I'm worried about is all of a sudden the Hornets being good again and piecing it together. And then people saying, see, we just needed to get Michael Jordan out of the way when that's not the case. We were healthy. We The roster started to come together. We truly started to build it. We got lucky in a couple lotteries um, and we drafted well. People don't trust Mitch Kupchak for some reason. That's what the the crux of the issue is. But but I, I think people don't trust Mitch because he's so closely associated with Michael. Exactly. I, I think if Mitch wasn't a Tar Heel guy, if he wasn't considered one of Michael's inside circle, I think the narrative would like for I, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, let me know if you disagree with the statement or not. I feel like Mitch gets more criticism than Rich Cho did. Yes. <laughs> And to me, Rich Cho, because people didn't give Rich Crow criticism criticism because they felt Michael Jordan was making those decisions, even though Michael Jordan's not the team. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right there. And then also, I mean, we took the Miami Heat to seven. There was a playoff series. There was there was a glimmer of hope. There was some light there. Exactly to where we haven't had that under cup check yet. There's there blink. So I want to kind of retract that. Mm-hmm. There have been glimmers of hope, but there hasn't been a seven-game playoff series. There, well, there hasn't been a playoff. We don't have a Kimball Walker either. But no. see, but see, here's my thing, Josh, and and I I harp so much on last season, and the reason I do that is because I I always felt like last season was going to be the jump season, but then you had everything that could go wrong go wrong last offseason and i think that light would have been shown and that glimmer of hope would have been shown last season had things would have went right you know what i mean and yeah. and one more point i'll make when it you know if we're going back to the seven game series against the heat that was kind of false hope and the reason i say that because that team was cap strapped you know what i mean like we we see it because al jefferson who was on his way out the league got what 10 million bucks courtney lee got paid 17 million dollars Jeremy Lin got another $17 million. The Hornets were not going to do that. So that was kind of just like some false hope even with that team. You know what I mean? So I think we were just in better position now with this current roster than we were with the Rich Toe roster that went seven with the Heat. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, We're in a much better position now. It's just with under Mitch. We haven't seen the playoff success. Not even playoff success. We haven't playoffs. playoffs. And so that's the biggest difference. And then um, handing that contract out to Hayward, I think that that's a big one. For me personally, that's my biggest problem with Mitch. And I see kind of where he was going with it. It just, it felt like he was trying to jumpstart the rebuild too quickly and a four year Uh, contract. I I agree with that. Our our friend, our brother Vince felt the same way but the problem was that okay so everyone thought Gordon Hayward was going to take a player option in Boston everyone thought there's no way he turns down 35 million dollars just to play one more season in Boston and Hayward was on the Hornets plans they were they planning to go after him as a free agent the next season yeah because everyone was going to go after him as a free agent so but, they had to strike while the iron was but, hot. But what happened is Hayward turned down the player option. Suddenly, Gordon Hayward's a free agent. So 
if we don't do it now, we're not yeah, going to get him. The guy at you were all. targeting for next season is available this season. If mm-hmm. you don't get him now, you won't get him. You won't get any free agents because, regardless of what Hornets fans believe, Gordon Hayward was or is the level of free agent the Charlotte Hornets have to go after. We're not going to get Kevin Durant, guys. We're not going to get Devin Booker. We're not going to get those guys. Gordon Hayward? Yeah, as as obviously because we ended up getting him, but it was just the timing was bad. So Mitch in, was in a rock and a hard place. It's like, man, do I jumpstart the rebuild a year early or do I miss out on a free agent that could that could help this team and make the roster better? Right. Unfortunate circumstance because also they really, weren't really wish we would have missed out. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in hindsight, it's you know it looks bad because because he hadn't played. But if he was healthy, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. No, we wouldn't. But I, that was always the concern too, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was that, that, that's the problem in Boston. He was never he was never available when they needed him the most. In the playoffs, he was missing multiple games. And then that transpired right. here in Charlotte as well. It's as if, you know, it I, ankle sprains, I know, you know they take different time periods to, you know, heal and different things. But, I mean, we were looking at nine weeks of healing time. It's like, man, we couldn't get 15 minutes of Gordon Hayward down the stretch. Well, at a couple at of first games. I thought, well, Gordon Hayward, he's never been the same since he broke his leg. You know, that's a lot of NBA players wouldn't come back from such a gruesome injury. Yeah. But then I think it's just the Hornets. Our medical staff sucks. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's not just Gordon Hayward. It's a lot of LaMelo ball. Someone, someone tried to argue with me that he's not injury prone, but he's missed literally one season's worth of basketball in three years. He's missed 83 uh, games or something like that. Mark Williams just had surgery last week, and we yeah. thought like he injured his hand, came back and played in games all down the stretch. Right, and then just now, like we still miss the entire like, summer. Like, why is he just getting surgery now? Like, what is going on? Yeah, I, I, I can't I, explain. There, that there's one. something else going on. Yeah, that, I, can, I can't explain that one. <laughs> we can't be that snake bit. I mean, you, we had injuries to every major. Player, player on their roster. Uh, Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, all missed extended time this season with, with like, Col- grand ankle or turned ankle, and he's out. Like you said, he's out like two months. Like, <laughs> what? What was the deal with Cody Martin? It was a. Oh, that's right. Uh, knee soreness. Yeah, it, it was knee soreness. Yeah, we still have hold. We still have not seen video of Cody Martin. With a basketball in his hands. Like the yeah. Hornets post right. every guy that goes into the gym. They want to let us know, like, who's in the gym, who's hooping, who's working on their game. It's great for social media purposes, all of the things, right? We still have not seen Cody Martin with a no. basketball in his hands. That's, that's he, December. He started with a, it was reported as a full quadricep. And then. Knee soreness. Knee soreness, and then oh, by the way, he's got to get knee surgery. What? <laughs> it's wild. Wow. It's wild. Can't call that one. Man, we just relived just this hellacious Horse. past season that we had. I want to get into this real quick because, so as you guys stated, he stole. Uh, he stole. He didn't stole. He sold 
his majority stake for three billion with a B. And so this next question I got, I mean, that obviously plays a massive role, right? Who's going to turn down three billion? Right. But how much did Jordan just really not want to be the majority owner at this point? Like, how much does he not enjoy? Well, the he, modern day NBA he still like, owns forty nine percent of the team. Because I, I think, and Joshua, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. In, in terms of him relinquishing the day to day operational stuff, and him overseeing the roster and the, and the management, all the stuff, I, I what you're getting at is Jordan just not being a fan of this modern day NBA stuff, and. I, look, I don't think we can answer that question because we're not in the building. But I, I, I offer this to you. Everyone remember that game against the Orlando Magic where the Hornets were stinking it up like most of the night. Michael Jordan comes sit on the bench and the look on his face was like, I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. It, guys, I know it was one game and I know it was just a look on the face. But when I saw Jordan look <laughs> like that. I have watched this man for 35 years. I have never seen Michael Jordan with that look on his face. To me, it told the entire story. And that look said, I have had it. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen Michael Jordan ever look defeated. Right. He, looked, he looked mortal. But <laughs> it, 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 let, me, let me provide more context. That particular game was a game, and this is just my opinion, where I felt the Hornets were not giving a lot of effort. They were just getting out efforted. They were that getting game. punked by the they were getting brothers. Punked <laughs> yeah. by the magic. You understand what I'm saying? And the look on Michael's face was like, I-, I can't be associated with this anymore. Because being who Michael Jordan is, you can't go out there and just make players do whatever. You know, you understand what I'm saying? And I and I think it kills him to be powerless in that situation. You understand what I mean? So yeah, with I mean, that being said, I'm, he's probably like, I've had enough. <laughs> how can you not be disgusted when you see Mo Wagner just being Mo Wagner and just doing his yeah, aggravating Mo Wagner thing? Gosh, I mean, you have to be. I mean, we were all disgusted. I'm watching and I'm like, I'm so sick of seeing Mo Wagner do these things when he plays the Hornets and like be this nasty, dirty, gritty guy. And Nikola like, Jokic. <laughs> It's just disgusting. And then you and then you take Michael Jordan watching that. Like, I mean, we're disgusting. I can't imagine. I can't imagine how he felt. Yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan isn't like any other owner in professional sports, because there are a lot of guys that own multiple teams and wear multiple hats and have to do a lot of things. I don't think that was it with Michael Jordan. So not only does Michael Jordan own the Hornets and he owns uh, a NASCAR team, 2311. But he owns Jordan Brand. He got all kinds of deals with Nike, endorsement deals. Michael Jordan is probably in a meeting every five minutes of his life. And he's such a hands-on person. I think it's difficult for him to separate himself from wanting to be in control. And he knows, I can't be in control of the Hornets and do all these other things. Yeah, and I I think somebody like him gets pulled into 50 different directions. He's like, no, my NASCAR team is popping. I'm going to focus on them. I'm going to keep 49% of the Hornets. He ain't losing no money, really. He's making three bill, and he gets to keep 49%. He's going to get his cut of but, the But you, the well, you know, you know the important piece of that? 
he no longer gets the media scrutiny now. You can't blame Mike now. And I think that's understated. I I, I think he probably got sick and tired of yeah. being the fall guy. Regardless of whether it's fair or not, let me be very clear. All right. I'm, regardless of whether it's fair, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure he was tired of being the face of the Hornets. Yeah. I, no, I, I think that that has a lot of validity. And, you know, this Charles Barkley story, you know, really made rounds uh, on the internet, on social media. You had guys on, you know, daily talk shows even talking about the beef between Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan. And it all stemmed and went back to they were great friends, but Barkley called him out on his ownership. And so I don't know how much even that played a role where, you know, that started circulating and he's like, man, do I, do I really just want to deal with this anymore? Like people talking about this, do I really want to be, as you guys stated, the face of the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah. Is, is this where I want to be at this time? I know Kaiser, you already kind of touched on this earlier, but I wanted to kind of see where you guys, you know, rest on the rest of the off season. And, you know, what your position is, because personally, I'll just kind of lead off with mine. I'm a little worried that we're going to have some, you know, conflicting views on who's pulling the strings. I know Michael is still in control of this team until the official sale takes place. But when you have minority owners that are already in the building that, you know, moving into the majority role, and that's starting to take place. I get a little worried that maybe, you know, Plotkin coming in, how much is he going to want to dictate some of these moves? I don't think Michael's really going to relinquish that because until the sale is official, I mean, anything could happen. You could have fall through. You could have some things. But more than likely, it's probably going to go through. Is Plotkin going to want to sign Miles Bridges? Does Plotkin want to keep P.J. Washington? You have LaMelo's extension coming up this summer where he can get that extension. Who at number two? Do you want to make that big splash right now and go get a Brandon Ingram? Do you want to go get a Zion and just really, you know, jumpstart a playoff, you know, contending team? Do you want Steve Clifford to be your coach? Do you want Mitch Kupchak moving forward? I know these guys are still under contract. And that probably, you probably see that out this offseason. But moving forward, how much just, you know, conflict is there on the direction of the franchise? Yeah. And so if these guys were just coming in, like, say, when David Tepper bought the Panthers, I could see that. It's going to be a similar situation, I think. Well, but see, I, I don't know if it will be because they've been, I mean, this, it's been four years. These guys have been minority owners in the Hornets. So I know that minority owners have no decisioning power, but they're still aware of everything, every move that is made. I think that it's Mitch's show to run until either they let him go or he retires. I think, and I think it's always been Mitch's show since he's been hired. I really think Michael Jordan has been super hands off since Mitch came on in, what, 2018, 2019, or whenever that was. And I think the new ownership and Michael Chibbley, look, Mitch is running the show. Whatever Mitch says, that's what we're rolling with. 
Um, as far as what the new ownership wants to do, I don't know. I think these guys will be more hands-off than Jordan, and that, that actually could be a really good thing. See, Tepper had been involved in the NFL for a very long time before he bought the Panthers with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had been a minority owner there for a long time. And he probably he, couldn't wait to make some decisions. Exactly. Whereas <laughs> uh, Gabe Plotkin has, I mean, he just graduated college 10 years ago, <laughs> you know? So I don't see him coming in and saying, first of all, let me say this about Gabe Plotkin. I believe that him becoming a minority owner in the Charlotte Hornets in 2019, purely a financial move because he's a hedge fudge manager. It is his job to find investments. He saw, like everyone else did, the valuation of NBA teams skyrocketing. I mean, if, I mean, hell, Michael Jordan bought the Bobcats for less than 200 million. He's made 3 billion off of it. And especially when, when the Clippers were sold some time ago, it was clear that NBA teams were worth a lot of money. So you get in how you can get in. He got in as a minority owner. And with him losing all the money that he lost over the, you know, the GameStop hedge fund and all that the last few years, now is the perfect time for him to buy the team because he knows he could probably sell the Hornets for $5 billion sometime down the road. I'm not sure if he if if he got involved with the Hornets because he wants to run a basketball team. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I don't I don't think uh, uh, Plotkin and and Schnell are basketball guys, uh, quote unquote basketball guys. But I think this off season things are going to play out. However, they're going to play out with with Mike with Mike and Mitch being. I don't I don't see any big turnover. This particular offseason, I, I think that everything that Mike and Mitch want to happen this offseason, it'll still happen. But here's the here's the asterisk going into the season and going into next offseason. That's what's going to give it really interesting, in, in my opinion. Look, here's my here's my hot take for today. I think Mitch and Clifford may be lame duck GM and coach next year because yeah. I believe. I that agree. new ownership may want to clean house, especially if we look, let me say this. Let me be clear about this. If we don't make the playoffs, regardless of who the ownership was, they should probably clean house anyway, regardless of who was there. But yeah. especially with new ownership, especially if we don't make the playoffs, I'm, I would bet my house, you'll see a house cleaning in, in that regard. But I'm also leaning toward the fact that you're probably going to see it anyway. Um, Keep in mind, one of uh, Rick Snell is has been. I think he was a minority owner with the Hawks. He, was. he might want to bring in some Hawks people over here to Charlotte. You never know. You know what I mean. So I just think it'll get really interesting going into this season and maybe the next offseason. And also another kind of hot take and kind of maybe prediction I'm making: if we see the Hornets struggle going into the All Star break, Clifford may not make it that far. So. We'll yeah, see. We, we just spoke about how, you know, MJ surrounded himself with guys that he trusted. These are MJ guys. These are right. Carolina guys. And the new guys coming in, 
They don't care about those guys. No, they have no <laughs> holdings to them. And so the Clifford hire was strange. I mean, you got uh, strange circumstance. It, it, yeah, it just was. And, you know, you have that Mitch Kupchak. They're both, you know, in their 60s. And, that you know, Steve Clifford is one of the oldest coaches in the NBA. He's on a two-year deal. This is his last season. I believe that Cupcheck, I think this is the last season that he's going to be under contract as well. Do they so. up those guys? Now, you playoffs, you win a series, things get crazy. Maybe that's what happens. But, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of things take place this season. But there are a lot of big decisions that have to be made this offseason to where the new owners coming in, that may not be the direction that they want to go next season. Right. And so now you just kind of have, what's the direction of this team? Where are so we headed? Think, Where are we going? I think the new owners, you got to look, hey, if it's not broke, don't fix it. By that, I mean, if Mitch Cox A lot of people would say it's broke. <laughs> people, people say a lot of things about the Hornets, though. But I think if you're the owners, look at the situation you come into. I don't think it's that bad of a no, situation roster-wise. I know that's unpopular. Mitch Kupchak but... came no, in. No, I don't, I don't either. I don't subscribe yeah, to Mitch that Kupchak either. Mitch came in and built a very solid young core. And depending on who we draft, let's say, let's just say we draft Scoot. You got Scoot Lamello, Miles Bridges, Mark Williams as your core. That's, how is that bad? <laughs> a lot of teams would kill for that, right? And so, yep. so now you're the owner, so you can't just be like, okay, we're just going to – Get, no, Mitch came in. He built a solid young core. You have to build on that. That's what the new ownership has to do. And, and it's, it's not like the Panthers, although the Panthers were a playoff team the year Tepper took over. And they're not. I'm just saying. But it's not like you just took over like you know, a team that was just really bad. They had injuries last season. That's why they got the number two pick. So, And, and just one more really quick thing. I, I kind of feel like you know, as far as the direction goes, last year might have been a blessing in disguise because here's one thing I, I know. I, I've heard Mitch speak on it a lot. His, he always, he's always said his main, his main focus was to simply add more talent every season. We didn't have the opportunity to really do that last season, right? This season, we're going to add talent to this team. It, at, at the very least – with the number two pick. And, you know, we don't know what's going to transpire after that. But at the very least, we have a number two pick coming onto this team. Right? So, I, I'm just saying, like, it, it looks like going forward, this team, it, the direction is it, pretty clear to me. And, and, and you know, I, I don't see it as a bad thing. I, I think last season was a blessing in disguise in that regard. Yeah, you had a lot of people that, you know, were pushing the gap year once the Miles Bridges. That was me. I was one of those guys. Yeah, take the gap year, see what happens, play the guys, play the young guys, see what you have. But at this point, yeah, we're going to inject more talent into the roster, whether it's Scoot or Miller, whether it's Brandon Ingram or Zion or some other, you know, star somewhere else if somebody comes in to make a play. The, te- the roster is going to continue to get better. I think the team really started coming together late last season, ex- at least defensively. Yeah. And 
I like Clifford. I really do like Clifford. And I think that he got the guys to do, you know, to lock in defensively, which, you know, is something that this team has struggled with in years prior. And we don't have to get into all that. We know that. But after that, what do you do? There has to be some consolidation, especially with some of the young guys. There's just, we're running out of roster spots. And if we really want to make some moves for some vets and some leadership and really bring in some guys with defined roles, got to be some consolidation. I I could not agree with you more on that because if you look at the wing position, we're having, we got a big log jam. Like we're, we're, we're talking Cody Martin, book night, Maybe Ubre coming back. Um, Scoop, Lamelo. If you want to add McGowan's. McGowan's, like we have all these guys jumbled up, fighting for the same role. So, Josh, I'm, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up because we look at the Caleb Martin situation in Miami, right? He's he was everyone's favorite darling for three or four games, right? You know why he performed well because he has a defined role. He's not fighting with his brother. He's not fighting Terry Rozier. He's not fighting whoever else was on this roster. Josh, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I think that's an important decision to be made going forward. Totally agree. That's tough because you got to pick the right guy. You got to pick the right guy. The problem, the reason we have such a log jam and and there's never been a a good definition of roles is because the separation of skill is not razor thin. There's not a whole lot of difference in Cody Martin and like a or his brother was like really they had to like yeah. flip a coin which brother do we want to keep um, <laughs> i would expect at some point that changes uh especially if we really hit on this number two pick hot take before we go bryce mcgowan he's your guy he's my guy right. <laughs> oh and I, i'm rocking with bryce he's he, my guy. he, yeah. I, he has to be a piece moving forward there's something yeah. there yeah i mean look yeah, they traded up to get him for a reason yeah like in Hornets fans, I'm really gonna change this thing. <laughs> Let dudes who aren't your guy be great. If Bryce McGowan's plays better than Scoot, then then I'm all so for. I, then I don't care how many minutes Scoot Henderson gets. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. That's it is what it is. Yeah, because here's the thing. This will be the last thing I say before we go. Scoot Brandon Miller, whichever one we draft, will not start. And I know it'll, Hornets fans don't like want to hear times. that. I know Hornets fans don't want to hear that, but if Terry Rozier stays rostered, Terry Rozier is a better NBA player day one than Scoot Henderson. Absolutely. P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, better NBA players day one than Brandon Miller. Yeah. And that shouldn't be a hot take, but it will be. People will be like, oh, man, here's typical Hornets. Here we go again. Guys, I've enjoyed having you guys on. Uh, Always a pleasure. I love getting your guys' insight on, on MJ. I agree. I didn't love seeing it. I I wanted to see him kind of see it out. Yeah. Yeah. But thanks. We'll get for you in the studio on. here soon, brother. Get me in the studio. I'm I'm waiting to talk some Panthers, Charlotte FC, U.S. Soccer, all the things. Man, I'd love it. But thanks to you guys for jumping on another episode. Always enjoy it when Under Construction is able to be a part of Hive Hoops. But for everyone listening, be sure to rate, subscribe, review. You guys know what to do. I don't have to run through it. I do it anyways, but I don't have to. But until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops. Presented by The League. Be 
sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.